Brady. Over the middle. Batted down. What a play by Devin Bush to keep this a two-point game. What's up, Steelers Nation? Welcome back to the Real Steel Podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you've been listening along for a few weeks now, you know how it goes. No BS, just the real steel. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt. And joining me today, my Yinzer co-host, Polt. And boy, what a sweet, sweet victory for the Steelers on Sunday against the Buccaneers. How do you enjoy this one, Polt? Yeah, Jeff, it, it was great to get back on the winning side and, and to do it against our old friend, Tom Brady. We haven't seen that much in our lifetime, so it was good to finally get one against him. And to finally get to do one of these on a positive note after a win is, is a great feeling. Yeah, it, it really is a great feeling. It just felt good. I mean, our backs were up against the wall. We knew we were depleted from injuries. Like you said, we're going against Brady. We're the largest home underdog we've ever been. And, of course, we're sitting at the bottom of our division too, right? The bottom of, of the AFC, even yeah. the bottom of the entire NFL, you could argue. But it's crazy how much can change in just one week. And I'm not saying that everything is fixed and that it's all rainbows and butterflies moving forward. But, you know, despite sitting at two and four, the Steelers find themselves just one game back in the AFC North through six weeks of the season. Yeah, the Bengals just picked up a win against uh, the Saints to move to three and three. They're coming, they're coming up and, and starting well now. The Ravens lost to the Giants. So they go back to three and three. And the Browns lose as well to move to two and four. And we're sitting there tied with the Browns one game back of the Bengals and Ravens. So it's pretty amazing after our, our rough start that we're only a game back. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have guessed that the division leader here would just be 500 at this point in the season, but I'm not mad about it and no. not mad about having to recap this game either. So let's let's dive right in because I think there's a lot to unpack here and we'll start right from the start. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Cool. All right, so the Steelers win the coin toss. We like to defer. We forced a three and out and a short punt. We get the ball at our own 34. We drive 11 plays, 66 yards. And for the first time in, in quite a while, uh, the Steelers score an opening drive touchdown. It was good to finally see the pieces come together and actually do that. It, it really has, has been a long time. It feels like it. Yeah, that was our first opening drive touchdown in the last 13 games. In fact, it was the first time since week 10 last year against the Lions when Mason Rudolph started. Um, and that was actually tied for the longest active streak in the league with the Giants. So it was really big to get a to get a strong start out of our offense. Yeah, I think Kenny went five for five for 37 yards. He had a 10-yard scramble, so really nice play, put together a really good drive. Uh, we did go three and out on the next one. Um, I think Kenny took a, a pretty big sack there. We ultimately let up a couple field goals. We got a field goal of our own, and then I think we let up one more field goal right before the half. But we walk into the locker room. We're up 10 to 9. I mean, how do you feel? I, I'm, I'm doing okay, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bucks moved the ball a good bit on us, but the defense had a nice bend-don't-break attitude, and, and it seemed to work out for us three field goals. And, and I'm feeling okay. We have a lead. And we even with three three and outs, we have a lead. So we can't be too upset. Yeah, and I don't want to downplay the lead. We actually led this entire game. And, you know, I would have to go back and look at some of our... When was the last time scores. that happened? But, yeah, it feels like it's been a long time since we actually led a game the whole time we were never down and, and sustained it, right? We didn't trail. We weren't even tied. Uh, we maintained that from start to finish. So that was really great. But I, I want to talk a bit about the first play right out of the gate in the second half. And it was the Steven Sims kickoff return. And... You know, I, I think it's going to be tough to compete against that Devin Bush two-point stop that we had at the end of the game. But yeah. this play for me 
an 89 yard kickoff return down to the 12 yard line. I think that that might be my play of the game. I mean, talk about a splash play. We've been talking this guy up for a couple weeks now and boy, was that good to see. Yeah. He finally had an opportunity to do something and man, he really flipped the, the game there because who knows we had three, three and outs in the first half. We're coming out of the second half. Who knows what's going to happen? And he sets us up in great field position where we only went five yards on the drive and we kicked the field goal. So that was huge. He set us up for points and we really needed that out of our special teams. Yeah. He, he pumped energy into the team directly and it fired me up too. And after the game in an interview, he was talking with the guys or he said he was talking with the guys before the half and during the half. And he said, just got to open up some lanes and, and get, get some holes. And then he gave one of my favorite quotes of the week. He said, give me a lane. I'm going to hit it. And sure <laughs> enough, on, on that opening, opening kickoff, they gave him a lane and he hit, and the he hit it. Yeah. yeah, he hit it. It was, it was an awesome play, but like you mentioned, so we don't actually convert in the red zone there for a touchdown. We settle for a field goal. Um, we end up trading field goals with them. So we stay up 13 to 12 and then it's that hit to Kenny Pickett that knocks him on the ground. He hits his back of his head and he leaves the game. So in comes Mitch, right? I think yeah. written off by the entire Steelers fan base at this point, unfortunately. Um, he converted early on a third and 15, uh, but then we couldn't really move the ball much further uh, after that point. You know, we went back and forth. There were a few punts um, until we put together a nice looking drive. And I think a lot of that is, you know, a big thanks to the mishap on, on the Tampa defense for not being set. They allowed that 45 yard catch and run from Connor Hayward. Um, And then two plays later, we scored our first touchdown pass to a wide receiver all year, uh, which Which is crazy Start to chase Claypool. But Um, this second half, uh, it it was setting up for the type of game we usually see with Tom Brady, right? It's that whoever has the ball last is going to win the game. And it's set up for that picture. Perfect. The, thing that we hate Tom Brady getting the ball last and beating us in the final second yeah and we said exactly that during the game we had talked about that we feared that um you know we gave him a lot of time left on that clock um I think nine or ten minutes in terms of when they got the ball and, and sure enough they put together I, I have it down here as a 14 play 73 yard drive they score a touchdown um really nice looking drive a lot of good yeah. conversions there um down by two and then the play that ultimately sealed the game for us. I mean, Devin Bush breaks up the pass to Chris Godwin on the two point attempt. We have about four minutes to run the clock out and you better believe it. We did exactly that. You know, we had two third and long completions from Mitch to Claypool. We had a nice nine yard scramble by Mitch and that's pretty much all she wrote. We finally iced a game. Uh, it sounds like we keep talking about things that don't usually happen to the Steelers while we watch. And this was another one. When was the last time we iced a game? It didn't count of our, on our defense to actually win the game for us. I, I can't remember a time in the last couple of years that we did that. So that was sweet. But you mentioned your play of the game. My play of the game has to be that Devin Bush two point conversion yeah. stop. I mean, just the read on that. He's sitting in the middle of the defense waiting for Otten, the tight end who's coming across the middle. And he just reads Tom Brady's eyes. And if you look at his post-game interview, he says that he was reading Tom Brady's eyes, saw him look away the other way and come back. And he knew where he was going. And he read that Godwin play perfectly and made an unbelievable play. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I And I think that'll transition us nicely to kind of start to to dissect some of these players and, and some of the game plan that we had. I know you want to give a lot of shout outs, especially to the defense. And you just mentioned Devin Bush. I mean, he's been playing great. I feel like a big step up from where, where he was previously in previous years. 
And I, I think part of that is probably due to Miles Jack. I think he's kind of taken him under his wing a little bit. But um, yeah. we can talk linebackers, but you want to talk secondary first? Maybe maybe start off there? Yeah, well, I'll start off with a couple of general things of the defense. You mentioned Miles Jack. Miles Jack made a great play on a pass over the middle in the red zone that actually stopped the touchdown pass from happening, which was one of the reasons we won the game. Tampa Bay was one for four in the red zone. I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games like that. They only scored one touchdown. In addition, Leonard Fournette has really had our number in the past. He's played us three times, and he had 95 yards for a touchdown, 181 yards and two touchdowns, and 109 yards and three touchdowns. Hmm. Those are his past three games against us. This year, this week, we held him to 63 yards and a 3.0 average. So defense played much better against the run, really stuffed and, and, and frustrated Fournette. And then here's kind of bringing us to the secondary. We go into the game without Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Sutton, Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, and DeMarvin Leal. I mean, four starters in the secondary, and then a guy, young guy is playing really well up front. And you think, okay, we have no chance to stop Tom Brady, but what did we do? He came out with an awesome game plan by, by Mike Tomlin, Tara Austin, and, and Brian Flores to get creative up front and try to create pressure without blitzing. Um, but then at the same time, dropping everybody back into simple coverages while trying to disguise some of the coverages so Brady didn't know what was going on, and it worked perfectly. This was actually our first game in the last 95 games that we did not have a five-man pressure. And that was the first time since week seven of 2016. We love as sealers to be five to blitz five guys, and we didn't do that at all this game. And we got more pressure than we had maybe the last like three weeks combined. So yeah. that was awesome, awesome game plan, and the secondary really, really lit it up. Yeah, and I think in the secondary, as, at least as we were talking, we kind of called it an unlikely cast of characters that we had. Absolutely. Them, right. I mean, when is it that you're, you're starting not just one of these guys, right. But you mentioned the four members of the secondary is out. So we're playing guys like Trey Norwood, Josh Jackson, James Pierre. And a lot of these guys had really good games. I mean, I read Josh Jackson on Mike Evans, uh, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL, one of Brady's favorite targets, yeah. especially in the red zone. He allowed just one catch for 11 yards on six targets. I think a, a quarterback wow. rating in the 30s for for just Josh Jackson. He played a really, really good lights-out game. So that that was just awesome to see from him and some of the other guys in the secondary. Yeah, I have to say I've always been down on, on Edmonds, and uh, I know you have as well. But, wow, did he really show what he could bring after missing him last week against Buffalo and then what he did this week. He just showed how important he is back there. And he's only 25 years old, which is hard to hard to remember, but he had 10 tackles to lead the team. This year, he's only allowed 79 yards passing against him, and he has a 79.2 grade by PFF, which actually ranks him as the number six safety. So he's continuing to play well. He played awesome, and Minka's uh, absence made a couple plays behind the line of scrimmage, which was yep. awesome, and, and I thought he played an unbelievable game. Yeah, talk about a guy for sure who has really stepped up. And and Tomlin said it too. I mean, Edmonds was really the only veteran presence we had back there. So we needed Absolutely. it and he showed it. And, you know, like you said, I mean, we were we were Edmonds doubters kind of from the start. And, and I think, you know, that was, you know, reasonable to feel that way given his first couple yeah. seasons with us. But I think last year we saw a lot of growth out of him and he's really kind of come into his role and, um, I would actually hope that that we keep him and that we you know sign him to a longer term deal moving. Yeah, he's playing his way into a nice contract. Another guy trying to do that as well. If we want to move to the linebackers, like we we briefly touched on Devin Bush. I just thought he played maybe the best game of the year for sure, probably, and maybe the best game he's played in the last couple of years. It just looked like he was flying all over the field and making plays that 
we've been criticizing him all year from the preseason on. He's he's slow. He's not reading things, and he seemed to be reading everything on Sunday. So that was that was awesome, awesome to see. Yeah, and, totally agree. I mean, really solid game from the linebacking core altogether. Robert Spillane played really well. Mike Tomlin in his press conference today, he spoke about his versatility. You know, he was in playing nickel. He was playing box safety, really kind of moving them all around. Malik Reed finally got in the mix. He had a sack on Brady. And yeah, that Malik said, Reed one was – that was going back to last week. We were talking that the Marvin Leal was, should have replaced him as the starting uh, edge rusher because Malik Reed did nothing. He was, he was a terrible trade acquisition. And then what did he do? He heard us all barking at him, and he came out and had a sack and played a pretty good game, actually. So that was awesome to see him do something. Yeah, he did. And, and you mentioned Miles Jack, too, with the solid game. He had eight tackles. That was second most on the defense. And, and you talked about that pass deflection that he had. I mean, I'll tell you what, I think personally, he's just becoming one of my favorite players on this team. I think he's helped so much with uh, Devin Bush's development. And, and I just love the way he plays. I love what he says that in post game when, yeah. when I interview him. He's just he's such a great acquisition. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to have him as a stealer for sure. Well, and he got hurt in the second quarter there and, and still played the rest of the game and could visibly see he was limping after the game pretty badly. So he fought through it and, and played his, his butt off. A couple other guys just to throw some throw some love to Alex Highsmith. He's the fourth most sacks through six games in Steelers history, only behind guys like James Harrison and Lamar Woodley and, mm-hmm. and TJ Watt last year. So, I mean, props to him for starting off the season well. And then we got to give some love to the big guys up front. Cam Hayward, maybe one of the most criticized last week just because of the effort the Steelers played. And he just came out. He was moving people, and he was just making plays and busting plays up. Um, you could see a lot of videos of him leading all the line shifts on the defensive line um, and just trying to get some bull rushes in there to, to mess up Brady. And then his partner in crime, Larry Ogunjobi. Wow, what a pickup he's been. He, mm-hmm. just, he got hurt last week, which is a little nerve-wracking, but he came out this week and played probably his best game of the year. I actually have a stat here. From weeks one and two, he only had one QB pressure. But weeks three, four, and six, he actually has six. Wow. So you can tell he's starting to get really comfortable in this defense, and he's starting to understand how to play beside Cam Hayward. And he's he's starting to kill it. This is why we signed him. This is why we thought he was a big acquisition. And I just love seeing him. And yeah, all, plays all really good stats. I mean, a good showing overall from the defense. So really happy with that was. I think, you know, we wouldn't be where we were in that game if it weren't for for that showing from the unlikely cast of characters, as we mentioned. Yep. Um, let's move over to the special teams and then the offense. I mean, special teams – we talked about that big play from Sims. He also had a 24-yard punt return. Boswell was two for two on field goals and two for two on extra points. He had that that dink in on the 55-yard field goal, um, but always good when you're making them from 50-plus. And then nothing new from Presley Harvin, five punts for an average of 44 yards. Uh, not not <laughs> great from him. I, I'm taking some heat for picking him as my MVP earlier in the season, but I just want to remind everyone, we did not have a first three good games of the season and that was uh purely for a consistency and a little bit of an improvement from last year but at this point it's it's not looking too great from from that point of view all but, positive from the special teams that was good to see after yeah. last week's debacles yeah yeah and i think like we said we were really hyping up sims just to see him kind of move and groove back there is is really cool and and so great when you can flip the field like that on a yeah. so um, good, good to see that. Hopefully, we see more. Let's let's move into the offense. I think there's a lot to discuss on this side of the ball as well, and and maybe we can start with with quarterback talk for a little bit. I'll lead in here just by saying, in 
Tomlin's press conference today, he said that Kenny has been cleared to practice, so he'll be fully practicing with no limitations on Wednesday, which is tomorrow um, at the time we're recording. And if he's cleared to fully play, which honestly the way I anticipate it is, is that's a likely scenario um, given the yeah. way things are progressing, he's our QB one moving forward. So I think we knew this. I, I think this is what's best for the team. Just kind of comforting to, to hear Tom one say that. So we have to kind of keep an eye on things, see how they develop. But I do think, that we all owe Mitchell Trubisky a sincere apology. He came in, he played some solid football. And I really think what it boils down to with his performance is that he was playing freely. I mean, he's not playing for his job anymore. He's not playing for the potential to lose it. And he made some really, really great throws and even scrambles. And, And it was really good to see, honestly, what I think we were originally going to get with Mitch. And so that was just comforting to see. And it was great to see him step up into that role. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It almost makes me believe that the, the coaching staff, whether it be Canada or Tomlin got into his ear early in the year and told him to, to play conservative and play, not to lose the ball and, and then just to play a game manager type of style. But he didn't do that yesterday or Sunday. He came out, played, like you said, with nothing to lose, was aggressive, was looking downfield, went nine for 12 for 144 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he, he was pushing the ball downfield, converting long thirds, third downs. And it was, it was great. So it was really good to see that again, like you said, what we almost expected out of him from the very beginning. So mm-hmm. I, I'm glad he was able to come in and be a professional again. That's always been all year. And he, and he definitely earned some, some kudos from the coaching staff and the fan base after that performance. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you've got to figure that he was probably pissed when he got pulled. Right. And oh, yeah. we've, seen, we've seen a story develop in the past few days of, you know, he said something to Deontay Johnson in the locker room during that game. And, and that's what kind of got him yanked. Uh, I'm not too sure. I believe everything I read there. So kind of got to take that with a grain of salt, but you know, he is so professional. He's such a strong leader. I watched one of his conferences and he said he, he has this 24 hour role where basically you give yourself 24 hours to adjust. And then at that point you move forward and you got to be a team player. And I think while we didn't get the production that we wanted from him and kind of the first quarter of this season where we saw him play early in some of these games, I think it's pretty undeniable that he's a leader on this team. He's a leader in the locker room. I mean, Tomlin speaks highly of him. So do his teammates. And I think yeah. that's exactly what you want out of him. It's exactly what we needed out of him too. When you lose Ben as your, your main leader on the offensive side and you have a pretty young offensive core, you need a guy like Mitch who's been all around and, and seen a lot in his years. And he's definitely leading the charge, which is, which is good to see. Yeah. So you mentioned he came in, he played well, nine or 12, as you said, 144 yards, 12 yard average. Um, I mean, really, really solid performance and, and a lot of third down conversions. Yeah, we actually were seven of 15 on third downs, uh, which is pretty impressive. Again, that's been one of the big things that we've talked about. But there's also this leads me to my my stat of the week that uh, we, we converted a third and 13, a third and 15 and another third and 15. And that was the first time that we had converted three third and longs of I guess, 13 or more yards since 1994 when that stat was first starting to be tracked, according to the pro football reference. So a lot of that has to do with Mitch. Um, Chase Claypool has to get a lot of credit as well. He finally had a, a good outing and looked really good and actually looked like the Chase Claypool we, we know and love. So I, I was happy to see that as well. Yeah, I mean, it almost looked like they were playing backyard football on some of those scrambles. It was it was good to see. And you never yeah. want to be in those third and long positions, but 
to be able to convert them. I mean, I think that's that's really valuable and that that played a huge role in the game. Since you gave your stat of the week, I'll go ahead and give mine, even though it's a little bit unrelated here, but it does kind of center around us winning. Um, we are now one and eight without TJ Watt. We had previously been 0 and 8, and that was the story moving forward is that we could not win with TJ Watt out. Um, but now we kind of flip the script a little bit. I mean, I'm not sure if this is a, a turning point in, in our organization and our, our season. I would hope that it is. Uh, we'll have to see what happens here with two more important games leading up to the bye. But yeah, you, I think, mentioned that stat the past two weeks. So it has to feel good to finally put a one in front. So it does. I'm, I'm happy for you. It does. And and who knows, man, maybe this maybe this turns into a two and eight and a three and eight without TJ Watt. And then they're going to stop showing it on TV because it won't matter anymore. So true. We'll see what happens there. Uh, while we're on the offense, though, kind of moving back towards it, do you want to break down anything with with the run game? And then we can kind of dig into our uh, our, our balls of this uh, balls of steel performance players. Yeah, I definitely have a few comments to make about the, the running game. I mean, the first is the late last week, the news came out that Najee Harris had been playing with that steel plate in his shoe underneath the sole of his cleat. I, I don't know how you can be a running back and cut and make moves like you have to make with a steel plate in your shoe. So give him all the props for that, that he was fighting through that. And I do think he showed a little bit more this week, which was good. I mean, it wasn't spectacular, nothing special, but – I do still have some faith in Najee Harris. I'm not ready to completely write him off. I do think he needs a little bit more help. The run blocking has not been good. We can't really run the ball in general. But um, it was good to see Najee feel more comfortable. He said he felt the best he's felt all year after the game. And so I I hope to see a little bit more out of the running offense the rest of the way. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. I think, uh, you know, you said you're not writing him off yet. I think a lot of people are writing Najee off. they're saying he was a bust of a draft pick. If you have him on your fantasy team, you're probably extremely disappointed. I mean, Jalen yeah. Warren's kind of getting involved almost 50-50 now. And it, it has definitely been frustrating as a Najee fan to watch him. But, I mean, he's he's adding value in, in you know, the protection game. And, you know, he's a really versatile player back there. So whenever he's in the game, you know, defenses definitely are, are challenged. And so, I again, I'm optimistic and hopeful that, you know, we see some more development out of Najee and, and he gets a hundred yard game soon. And, and he yeah. has those big games moving forward. But I do have one more thing to add on the offense before we move on. I just had to, we beat him down a lot and I might later in the podcast, but Matt Canada, you have to give him a little bit of credit that touchdown mm-hmm. to, to Najee Harris. I, it right. was a nice drawn up play. Najee Harris was wide open. You have to say scheme has something to do with that, but Man, I'll I'll go right back into beating him down. We had way too many three and outs. We had five in the game, and there's just too many long periods throughout the game that the offense just doesn't do anything. And that was with both Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. So something's got to something's got to change there. So let's hope yeah. that continues to improve. Yeah, fair assessment. I mean, that was a great play. He was totally wide open. Got to give Canada, I guess, some credit where credit's due. I've seen a video floating around of uh, the Steelers and and some of the coaches and and other players walking back into the locker room after the win. And there's a clip. And uh, I believe there's a Chris Boswell comment that says, not because of you or something along those lines. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's directed at Canada after, you know, Canada was saying good win or something along those lines, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to to Matt Canada in just a second. We have, we have a listener question, so we'll get to that momentarily. Um, But let's go into uh, some of our top performers of the game and and stick with this balls of steel performance. Um, I'll go first really quickly while we're, you know, still kind of on the offense. 
And I'm going to give mine to Chase Claypool. I mean, Claypool had seven catches on seven targets, 96 yards. He had that game-winning touchdown, and, and he had a rush for one rush for eight yards. I, I think, obviously, a solid performance, which is, is what you want to see out of him. But I think also he really just showed a lot of heart this week. And I think it was really, really good to see exactly what you said, what we you know thought we could see out of Claypool, what we would hope to get out of him. And he has it in him, right? I mean, yeah. he made some really crucial catches. Um, two of those third and long plays on the final drive of the game that he kind of sealed the deal for us. It was just great to see him fully involved from that point. And I don't expect, you know, this high of a volume game for him all the time moving forward, but to know that we have this in him and he can make those crucial catches, it was big for the team, but it was big for his confidence too, especially after that, you know, that high point interception that tipped off his hands and Kenny's first pass or whatever it was. So um, Chase Claypool gets my balls of steel player of the week. Um, Kudos to him. I, I, I think it was great to see that performance. What about you? Well, I have multiple balls of steel going out this week because <laughs> I have to give it out to the entire secondary. In a unit that – here's the list of names that played on Sunday. James Pierre, Quincy Williams, Josh Jackson, Arthur Millette, Terrell Edmonds, Trey Norwood, and Elijah Riley. A lot of those guys are not on active rosters on most teams. They were on – a couple of the guys were on our practice squad, and they got called up. Again, a lot of them played last week in Buffalo, but – Obviously, weren't prepared. They weren't supposed to play. They weren't. They weren't ready to play. But after a week of practice and a week of game plan, and they they really showed out against Tom Brady. So I have to give them a lot of credit. And and specifically, James Pierre. You had mentioned Josh Jackson's uh, brilliance in the game. James Pierre also did really well. He um, had thirty nine coverage sack snaps and only had seven targets against him and only allowed three catches for twenty three yards and a fifty one point five passer rating allowed. And that's against Tom Brady and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and all these all these weapons that they have. So really impressive out of the secondary, really good game plan and, and great job by them. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that out of the secondary. I guess that means they probably all get what, like a third of a ball or a quarter of a ball. <laughs> Might be smaller than that. But yeah, about yeah. that. All right. Well, good to good to spread it around. All right. Let's go ahead and, and take a couple listener questions here and then uh, maybe do a little bit of a, a game preview. Um, and kind of wrap things up. So this one came in from one of our uh, loyal listeners, Matt, and and he posed the question to us and said, the offense seems to be at its best when we're playing aggressive and up-tempo. Do you think that Canada has seen that light, or do you think he'll stick to the status quo? Matt, I know the answer you want, and I know I just gave him a little bit of credit, but no, I don't think Canada has any idea that being up-tempo helps the offense out. If he didn't realize that last year with Ben and we weren't doing up-tempo the entire game with Ben last year, he's not going to be smart enough to know that now. So, unfortunately, I'd wish that we'd go more up-tempo and, and help ourselves out, but I do not envision that happening. Yeah, I, I think I agree, unfortunately. I think a lot of teams play better up-tempo, right? It kind of catches defenses off guard. You just kind of have momentum sometimes after big plays. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to think that Canada picks up on this, but I don't know. I, I think at least even watching this game and, and Bolt, you mentioned some of the three and out struggles that we have. I think there's still a number of plays within the game plan that he is clearly drawing up and just doesn't understand that they're not working. So I think it's a good question. I, I think I would, I would hope, but I, I really don't know. I, I don't think Canada's going to have a job after this year. Yeah. When you watch the games, I mean, that first drive that, 
We scored the opening drive touchdown. We came out of the game firing with three straight passes for 27 yards or something like that. And then what do we do? I mean, the rest of the drive, there was a lot of runs and we had a lot of three and outs with a lot of running plays that did nothing. And I think he's just going to go back into his mode of let's run, run, pass. And you're going to see a lot more three and outs. So I don't think we'll see a lot of up-tempo more than we already have, but hopefully we do. Yeah, I, I hope so. All right, let's 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 move on to one more listener question. Um, this is from a, a colleague of mine, Josh. He says that Highsmith, as you mentioned, Bolt leads the league in sacks with six and a half right now. When TJ Watt comes back, does he eclipse him? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, why don't you go first? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with yes. I do think TJ Watt can eclipse Alex Highsmith. Mm-hmm. I will add a caveat to this. There's still two more games that, TJ's gonna miss without or with Alex Highsmith playing. So if he goes off in those two games and it becomes like ten to one going into TJ Watt's return, then then maybe TJ won't. But I do believe TJ can do it. Highsmith, I've been very impressed with him, but TJ's just a different animal. He can, I mean, I know he's gonna get a lot more of the, the focus, and Highsmith might actually be even better when TJ's there because there won't be as much focus on him. But I just think TJ's talent and ability to rush the passer and make plays will will get him into the double-digit sack range this year. So unless Highsmith can get there, I think TJ will end up beating him. Yeah, I'll kind of play, uh, I guess, devil's advocate or play the other side here. Um, you know, I think if if TJ does eclipse him when he come back comes back, I think that's awesome. And I yeah. think we are – we might be a playoff team. Who knows? We, we might have that really stout defense back. Um, I, I think that definitely could happen, but I, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to lean no here – um, more on the optimism side of, of Highsmith just continuing to play really well. And I actually think, as you mentioned, Polt, when TJ Watt comes back, right, it, it really makes an offensive line kind of struggle with their scheme. And they're putting, you know, sometimes double teams on him. Yeah. They're, they're opening up holes for folks like Cam Hayward to kind of get through. And, and I think Highsmith last year, we saw plays better he's like a you know it's like mario and luigi back there together <laughs> and i think i think high smith is is gonna just keep it up and if he's playing this well solo i think his game is just gonna be improved on when tj watt comes back so i would hope um that maybe they have a, a similar pace when tj watts back and with a, a five and a half sack lead on tj maybe he uh he outpaces him. So we'll see that. I will agree. I just remember what TJ did last year, and I think it was a little bit more than one sack per game. And Highsmith's technically on a one sack per game, even though he had three in the first week. So we'll see. I, like you said, this is a positive. If they can both be racing each other, that's a huge positive for the defense. Yeah, totally agree. All right, we'll, we'll move into our game recap here in just a second, but how about we do one more thing? Let's. Uh, I'm going to call this. This is just a, a special here for this week. Okay. It's going to be a – what do you hate the most about Tom Brady given this week's performance? And I'm going to give you a, a multiple choice selection here. Okay. Cause that's a loaded a, question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a B or C a is going to be him yelling at his offensive line. Okay. We've seen that video B is the fact that he went to Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday. He missed the Saturday walkthrough and he flew privately on a jet. Not a good look to his team meeting on Saturday. Or C, throwing footballs on the field, warming up while Cameron Brait, who's the, the tight end for the Buccaneers, got carted off the field, was down, and the entire team was kneeling except for him. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to go with C. That's not a good look from your your leader on the offense throwing and not paying attention to the guy with a neck injury. So I'm going to go with C. Yeah, I'll just I'll just go all of the above. I, I, we know we know we can't stand him. It's good good to get that win. We'll we'll move on. I, yeah, I'm glad that we don't have to be spiteful about it and and we're a little bit cocky here but i think it's well deserved he's beat us a lot and uh we have to enjoy it finally we right? have to enjoy it and, and soak it up all right time for a game preview here in the last couple of minutes so the dolphins on sunday night in miami the big story here is that tua is back he is cleared he will be playing and i think we're we're back to playing a, a really strong team now that Tua is there what do you think yeah, uh, just to give some stats. So on their offense, offensive side of the ball, they're number eight in total offense, number two in passing offense, number 30 rushing, and number 17 scoring. So the good thing is our, our run defense might not be stressed that much, although Mike McDaniels does have a really good running scheme coming from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Um, but I think this is going to be a lot of, like we saw this week, a lot of bend don't break out of our defense. So don't get too stressed or too worried about us giving up a lot of yards because – they put up a lot of yards against a lot of good teams. Mm-hmm. But as long as we don't allow touchdowns, it's actually easier, I think, to defend these guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle when you're in the red zone and there's a shorter field and they can't run past you. So hopefully that we do the bendo break. Um, and just another couple of things, Tyreek Hill leads the league in receiving yards per game at 116.8, which is number one. And then Jalen Waddle's number five at 88.5, 88.8 yards per game. So again, just got to keep them in front of you and don't allow the big plays like we did in Buffalo. Yeah. We, flip, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, we, we know they can stretch the field, right? Uh, I think Tyreek Hill has, is leading the lead in, in 20 yard plays this year in terms of receiving yeah. plays. And you got to wonder, is it going to be the, the Buffalo performance that we had against Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, or are we going to get the performance that we had this week against Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? So we'll, we'll have to see what happens there in the secondary. And and just to hit on the injuries, we'll see who's back. Mike Tomlin did say today that a lot of those guys are are working back and, and we should expect to get some of them more. Um, so hopefully we get some of those guys back and, and get through this game and get through the next game and then have a, a well-deserved bye. Right. Yeah. And that includes guys like Pat Fryermuth as well, who we've not mentioned yet today on the offensive side. So speaking of that, moving into the defense of, of the Dolphins, they're number four total in yards uh, per game, number 25 in passing, 11 in rushing, and 27 in scoring. So they do have a pretty good defensive front. They have some big guys up there that are pretty good. So I'm not sure how well we, we'll be able to run the ball, but they have some injuries on the back end, like Byron Jones is still out. Um, so I hope we can maybe make some plays in the passing game, whoever's playing quarterback, whether it's Kenny Picker or Mitch, Mitch Trubisky and um, I'm hoping to see some scoring out of the offense and see what we can do. Yeah, I'm hoping we get in there, and I hope it's instant regret for that Dolphins team that traded away Minka Fitzpatrick. And, Absolutely. And just loaded us and, and set us up. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be a good game on Sunday night. Um, looking forward to it. Hopefully we can come out three and four. We'll see what happens this week. But I think that's really all we have for you guys uh, this week. So as always – we thank you for listening. Please do go give us a follow on Instagram and uh, it's at the real steel. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors, any Steelers fans, you know, um, get and send support. us a DM. If you have any questions, we love answering listener questions. So just keep them coming for sure. Yeah. Send us a DM or shoot us a text, whatever you guys want to do um, and enjoy the game on Sunday night. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks everyone. Peace.